is it? All right. Hello, everyone, and good evening. And well, today we've got a very special guest <laughs> in the studio. We'll get onto that in a second. But welcome back to a, another episode of the OB podcast here at Bryanston. Um, anyway, today we've got Emily Shaw here in the studio with us. Say hi to us, Emily. Hello, everyone. Gosh, it feels pretty good to be back, I'm sure. I don't know. <laughs> well, Does it, it feel feels, pretty good? I haven't really, well, I, I was going to say I haven't really left, but obviously I have, but it just, it's it's crazy how you realise that nothing really changes and it all just carries on. And yeah, I love it. It's nice coming back, but also very nostalgic and yeah, the Bryanston life continues, but how does it feel coming back? I mean, so how long have you been away? Is it eight or so months now since <laughs> uh, you've left school? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, not it's not very it's a tiny amount of well, not yeah, quite a big amount of time. But um, I left in the summer in July, um, and yeah, and then I'm back here now, and we're in March. So we are. Yeah. For those of you who have tuned into Bry Radio a little bit more recently, Emily Shaw is an absolute Bry Radio legend. <laughs> so we've kind of got the Bryland Disc, which is um, one of Bry Radio's flagship shows. Uh, all the posters are up on the right, and most of those um, were interviewed by Emily Shaw herself. So an absolute legend to have um, here on Bry Radio, which I'm pretty excited about. But Emily here has had some pretty pretty cool work to talk to us about. So anyway, let's kind of set the scene. So. Emily, you left on speech day um, in July yeah. last year. So <laughs> how did your kind of summer roll out from there? Well, I, I plan to go... To, well, well, first of all, I've, I'm on my year off, so I'm having a gap year, but I, I like calling it a year off. I think the gap year is a bit sort of cliche and just... I don't, know, I don't really like the term. Um, and I didn't wasn't expecting to have a year off, but um, I didn't get some offers that I was hoping for, so I decided to reapply, and taking a year off has been the best thing I could have really done. Um, and I I wanted to go to Nepal. I was I'm great friends with Fiona McLagan, and she suggested what if I I should make contact with Right for Children and Douglas her her dad her dad, and see if I could help in any way with running and because um, that's something that I can I can that I'm sort of I guess I have experience in. Um, so yeah, so I plan to do that, and I plan to leave in September. So most of the summer after speech day, I was working to to sort of. Um, to yeah, raise earn enough money to work um, and to live in Nepal, which um, you can do for relatively cheaply. But I was also fundraising for my project, um, and I did that through a grant from um, an external sort of charity, which gives off um, gives grants to students on their gap year, and also the Brian Snow Bees. Um, I got some money from them, so yeah, I, I managed to raise. Um, I think about two and a half grand, I think, in the end. Wow. Which was towards the project. So I was sort of thinking, oh, God, I've got to actually, this is right. I've got this money. I've got to work out how I can put it to use. And, and yeah, so I left in I left in uh, the 20th of August, I think now, yeah, um, and landed in Kathmandu. Um, and it was quite terrifying, really. Um, I, yeah, I landed and then <laughs> such a sort of culture shock as everyone says, but actually it wasn't that that I found so shocking. It was more sudden I was able to, you know, you're as a foreigner, you, you can land. So in a, any country you want from particularly from the Western countries, um, and people who are in that country can't necessarily leave, you know, it's sort of a, it's a weird sort of opposite that you can't really, it's sort of, you can't escape that. Um, anyway, uh, I, yeah, so, um, <laughs> um, I got on with, um, working, suck, got stuck in with Right for Children and we launched this project called Right to Run. Um, and, um, 
my I was basically a sports coach, so I was working in six different schools, doing running clubs, uh, running drills, um, six days of the week. Um, and the aim was to work towards competition that I was hosting in Deaf's December. Um, and so we were sort of, tra- I was training the, training the lots of ki- lots of these students from the very remote schools, uh, and basically, yeah, just <laughs> doing lots of running really for my four months. Wow, gosh, so huge, huge, huge journey for you. And I mean, you, you were just kind of uh, briefly talking to us there a little bit about the kind of culture shock that you had as you kind of landed in Kathmandu. Had you ever been to Nepal before? Was this no, kind no, of a first been. time experience? It's my first time like outside, well, second time outside Europe. Wow. First time on like a long haul flight. Um, yeah, but I didn't, it, it wasn't, I mean, people say it's a culture shock, but it's more, I think, I, I loved it. I almost felt more at home <laughs> because um, it was just things that feel so like, uh, rude and just sort of an- animalistic in this country, like spitting, is totally accepted in Nepal. Like you'd be walking down the street and you'd hear someone sort of <laughs> suck their throat, <laughs> and you'd be like, "Jesus!" Like you have to look around you and pray that it doesn't land on your back. Because <laughs> yeah. suddenly you you hear this like propel- propulsion of spit, sort of, and then just like smack onto the floor, and that's just someone's spit, um, <laughs> which is quite, which is quite revolting. Totally but it's totally normal, yeah. And, right. and just, I mean, with the way the sort of traffic system works, like it's so chaotic, but actually just so sort of, it makes so much sense. It's just like a, if people just, there are no rules, everything's, everyone's just trying to get on with their day. And I think like that's an organised mess. <laughs> that's the beauty, yeah. yeah and I love that. I, it really, um, yeah, I actually nearly got run over the other day around here because I was trying to, I was crossing a road and in the pool, you just put your hand out and just walk. I did that around around well, I was in the city. <laughs> Slightly and, more dangerous. Um, yeah, the, the 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 bus the bus driver wasn't that impressed. Um, <laughs> Didn't take but... so kindly. Less forgiving. <laughs> that's yeah. oh, that's really really cool though. So and kind of being in Nepal, um, what would you say is the biggest? I mean, um, change between here and like a Western country, a bit like the UK. Um, was it maybe like the food, the accommodation? What was kind of pretty hard to get used to at first? Well, I, yeah, I mean, the food is very different. Um, I think it's, it's 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 being in a place where people have the same food twice a day, every day. And so that, that the diet consists of rice, dal, um, sort of seasonal vegetables, so like spinach, sark, they call it sark, and um, uh, any, any other sort of turnips and radishes. But it, yeah, it's very, it's just curry and it's it's that, it's it's having, yeah, it's amazing that a country is so united in their culture. I mean, like everyone is, m- majority people are Hindu, there's small minority, small, not small sort of, lots of B- B- Buddhist sort of influence as well, but it's everyone sort of wears the same clothes. And I think being a country that's so, yeah, it's so united. I mean, in our country, we're so diverse, everyone, you know, you've got people from different places, different cultures. And it's a sort of melting pot, whereas in Nepal you feel, it, yeah, it's it's so unified. Um, so that was a huge change. I mean, obviously, it's it's the development of Nepal is is sort of, we can sort of say it's five hundred years behind us in sort of where it is. Um, but I think it, it culturally that sort of that it, yeah it manifests itself mainly culturally because. Um, there's so much sort of, yeah, inequality and, um, and poverty as well. But it's not as if everyone's sort of miserable and um, it's, it's no, that's not true because pe- the people, some of the people I met were the happiest people 
that I have ever met and but their life is so simple and I think that's um what I found really interesting yeah yeah and kind of on that like justice theme uh, is like the justice system is it quite is it quite divided is some people treat a lot better than others mm. in terms of like equality or yeah no how, what's that like really interestingly there's and I, I sort of it, in my third month I started to s- sort of realize um I don't know I was kind of wasn't really attuned to it before but there's a huge caste system in Nepal um, and so it's it's not that people are divided in terms of wealth. It's actually sort of ethnic, uh, divided in terms of ethnicity. Um, so there are there are about there are like I think forty or so castes, maybe even more. And um, yeah, it, it just happens. However, whatever caste you're born into determines your your job, sort of yeah your job chances your your sort of your your lifestyle your um how you're treated and i found that quite shocking but obviously um it's it's becoming less and so now i mean it was mainly it was it was it was used as a means of controlling a po- the population sort of um hundreds of years ago but now it, but th- that sort of remains in in the way that um it's still when when it comes to like marriage and things, people aren't allowed to. There's just no so social mobility, and I think that's really frustrating, especially as a for, as a foreigner that's seen that sort of has learnt about like development and how yeah. uh, how you know we we learn about how in countries can progress, but it's that's something which you can never truly understand unless you live in that country. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I actually I read I started reading a book about it um, called um, the Fatalism. Facialistic. Oh, I can't remember. Oh God, I can't remember. It's not cool. I'm so dyslexic. But anyway, it's basically saying that the caste is so. Well, Nepal's sort of is is so fatalistic because people can't move move away from this caste system. And I don't think that's necessarily true. But I think it needs to be truly understood from the inside for it to be changed. Really. So that's. I mean, that's so interesting. But I mean, so what? What kind of um, being a part? Did you say it's like a caste system? Caste system. Caste. Ca- system. caste. Yeah, so it's like social, like uh, ethnic. Yeah, and that kind of determines your social uh, status. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And so, kind of, what main limitations? I mean, outside of like jobs and stuff, um, would this kind of um, caste system really place on you if you're kind of towards like the lower end of the caste spectrum? If that makes Mm, sense. Yeah, I mean, it's things like uh, so. The there's a caste called Nepali, which is it's ironic because obviously Nepalese, but it's Mm. totally nothing to do with that. It's just Nepali caste. So they're sort of like the lowest of the low caste and they're, they're sort of, I guess, like the peasants. Um, and they, they're treated, yeah, they're treated really badly and all they were. But now I think it's, it's it, now it's not as visible, but um, a colleague of mine who was, um, who was a Nepali himself said that it's just people, <laughs> this is sort of in a modern day context, he'd meet girls or he'd be talking to girls on Facebook and you know, and then as soon as they ask what caste he's part of, he's part of, and he said, oh, "I'm Nepali," um, they would air him, and then that would be it. You know, that's oh, it. Wow. Because, and it's yeah. a thing like that. You, right. that it's just you can't, yeah, judging a book by its cover, right? You're, um, and then things like jobs and and um, and sort of going into temples. This is what I found really interesting. That so the lower caste are the ones that actually like build the temples, or historically would have like manufactured the the sort of beautiful ornaments and the, um, the sort of structure of the temples, but they weren't. They, 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 those castes were never actually allowed in the temple because they were seen to sort of dirty it. Um, 
And even though, I mean, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's a, I think it's actually illegal to discriminate on basis of caste in the pool now. It's been passed as a law that it, you can't, it's, it's so ingrained in people's mind that they, and people in remote villages don't really abide by them. And there's no enforcement of it really. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, kind of a full kind of overview right there. It's really, really, really interesting. It's, it's a shame that it's, I suppose, but it's interesting in a way that, you know, kind of um, Nepal have that kind of almost 500 year chronological gap between us and, and Well, and yeah, them in a way. maybe it's that's a bit of an exaggeration, like but um, in terms of sort of, yeah, thinking in that way, I mean, not that we don't have kind of, uh, I mean, it's a type of inequality that we don't really understand because it's it's so divided within communities. Um okay. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I think, well, I mean, what, what would you say kind of coming in as a, as a foreigner, as that kind of international, um, where where would you say you kind of sit within this kind of caste hierarchy, if that makes well, sense? Well, it's really interesting. I was So one of the girls, I, I was running one of the school groups and the one of the girls said to me, Emily, what, what, what caste are you from? And I was like, um, well, I my name, my surname is Shaw because their caste is their surname, so... Mm-hmm like Tamang or Gurung. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm Emily Shaw, but th- that doesn't mean anything where I come from. There is no, ca- like, there is no kind of caste. Um, and they couldn't really, they didn't really understand that. They didn't really, I mean, I think as a Westerner, as a, as a foreigner, you're, you're, you're sort of, you're a celebrity, you're celebrated in a, and you're, you're not really compared. You're not really like in, they don't really include you in the caste system because, mm. um, yeah, obviously, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's yeah that really that sort of jolted me made me realize how um sort of it's so present still um even among sort of young girls and boys who are probably told by their parents are not really they're probably influenced they're influenced by it so early that i don't know at what age they sort of begin to sort of not play with each other based on that car system i mean i would hope that it's becoming and much of the work of right for children was sort of sort of trying to educate on how you know how to unify people regardless of caste and one of the projects right children were doing were doing sort of drama um drama performances to educate people on caste in communities and so they would um yeah they were just trying to get the students to put together a performance that demonstrates the um the divides of caste and how people are discriminated against so that people can realize its own sort of pettiness if that makes sense yeah right Um, but yeah no yeah um, yeah, I can't, I can't no, no, absolutely. No, it's really, yeah, it's super, super interesting. You touched on Right for Children just a second ago, and I think that's, I mean, gosh, I don't even really know where to begin for charity. Mm. So, obviously, that's a pretty kind of, you know, a great kind of initiative, Right for Children. Yeah, and yeah, I know yeah. you had quite a strong part in, part to play in that. Um, and I think you kind of were, were about to speak about Right for Run as well. But um, where did your kind of involvement of, cha- of like kind of the charity side of things originate in your kind of journey to Nepal? Was that kind of um predetermined as in were you going to uh was your intention to go out there and kind of be a part of this charity mm. or did it all kind of fall into place what what was what kind of happened in that, yeah in that it sense? was it was my intention from the beginning because to, to get these grants that to fundraise i had to have a sort of plan so i've had to sort of think in advance that i wanted what what the goals were what how i was going to achieve it so i had a rough idea and i wanted to travel with a purpose purpose i wasn't i met lots of people who were sort of traveling and just visiting lots of countries in sort of the space of four months similar but like hundred like loads of different places and they would only spend a few days in each place and I found that quite 
quite sort of, I mean, it's for some people, but it's not for me. I find it, um, I much prefer to be sort of really get into a place and understand it and contribute to the community. And, and I think because you think you get more out of it and you can, and you, you can give more if you're um, sort of solidify yourself in a place for a bit longer. Um, and yeah, so that's why I decided to do the project. Um, um, and I th- and I'm really hoping so, uh, but I was conscious that I didn't want it to be a sort of four month stint and that's it. it the right to run project would sort of dissolve into nothing. I wanted to continue it, so that's why I'm still, um, I'm still working with Right for Children as a sort of ambassador um, to help um, Right for, Right to Run the running project continue. And we can talk more about that um, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, totally. Um, where do kind of uh, Right for Children and Right for Run kind of overlap? So that they yeah. kind of core parts of each other, or yeah. So basically, so Right for Children. Um, obviously, they. I think in Nepal, it's really it's really important to note that there's no um, social workers, like government social work, um, really at all. So the charities. I mean, it's it's kind of it's not very sort of well. It's a bit negative, but I guess truth to say that the NGOs sort of prop up Nepal in a way that you're, without them there is no support for students or young people or the, there's nothing really so so Right for Children is one of the yeah one of the few really successful NGOs that are working in really remote um, villages and really remote schools especially that are sort of identified by the government and Right for Children also sort of vet each school each year to see who which schools actually really need their help um so it's not it's not a given that every school is going to be supported by them but it's they're really selected really carefully and so right for children do they've got lots of different projects and i think brian's at the moment sporting the sports in schools project which my project sort of falls under um so it's part of the extracurricular activities program which is part of the um which is part of the Child Friendly Schools Project. <laughs> so there's, yeah, lots of different branches. Terminologies, but yeah, yeah, Basically, right. yeah, so I was supporting the ECA facilitator, who was a great guy called Rabin, and he does, he's so talented, he does dance, drama, sport, art, self-defence, wow. um, like there's no, nothing he can't do, basically. And so he <laughs> his role would be going to the different schools that Right for Children support um, and t- taking sort of different extracurricular activities um, and I sort of supported him and then started to develop my own project with Right to Run, which is basically just the sport aspect of that um, and just running. Because I, I did do a football session once, but I just realised that every, all the kids knew rules better than me, so I thought just better stick to running. Um, and, yeah, yeah, so that's where that fits in, basically. Does that answer the question? So Right for right to Run is kind of... Is it your own initiative? Is yeah, that well, right? I, I, started, by yeah I started it. And I guess it's worth saying that I was inspired by um, a, a Nepalese trail runner which, who, who, called Mira Rai, who I met um, while I was there. And she, she's, Nepali, she's a Nepalese trail runner. From a, she started like a, uh, from a remote village, no sport background, um, was recruited by the Maoist revolutionaries, I think. And then she got very fit and then she decided to enter a trail race by accident and got scouted. Anyway, long story short, she's now an international trail runner and um, she's doing a similar thing in Kathmandu where she's sponsoring five athletes a year to become runners and to um, yeah to, de- to develop them to hopefully make a career out of sport. 
and um, I met with her and, and I sort of realised, okay, this has really got, especially for women it's and for girls, it's really important and it can give so much just doing. And she agreed that just running and just um, having concept of fitness and hobby and and it's an alternative to traditional, like a traditional career or traditional, even career, traditional life um, is really important. So, yeah, that she she sort of inspired me. And at the end, she... She for the competition in December. She was able to come as a guest um, to start the races, and um, and it was really great to because the, the the students sort of reacted better, well not not yeah a lot better to her because she could actually speak Nepali, and she she was a great inspiration to them really. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tosi. Uh, so, uh, is Mari, is that her name? Uh, Mira, Mira. M- Mira. Mira. <laughs> I apologise. So, um, how did you kind of um, find out about Mira? Did you, obviously you said you were hugely inspired by her, and I'm sure the Nepalese students were, you know, hugely inspired by both of you. Um, so, kind of, where did you find that inspiration, if that makes sense? How did you kind of find yeah, her I think out? Yeah, I, I think I saw her on, well, actually, I, I heard about her, but then Douglas, because um, Nepal's quite a small country, and we were mm-hmm. worth just saying, um, everyone Douglas had knew someone who knew her so basically he he was able to get her email and then yeah I just said can we come and meet you it was quite chaotic I mean that's another thing worth saying is that um you can't really plan in the pool you just have to sort of go like have a have a goal go with it and just sort of hope it happens so me and Robin flew to um Kathmandu one afternoon uh, which is like an hour flight, and because ho- roughly she said, "Oh, we c- I can meet you maybe at around four o'clock," and we're like, "Okay, let's just try and meet you," because we wanted to sort of get her um, commitment to our project as well as much as just hear about her project. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we 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 ended up meeting her and met her students, and then I went for a run um, like the following day with her group, which was really great to run with these five other students who were training with her. Um, and so I really got a, re- a good idea and um, she, I think, really valued that I, she valued what I was doing, I valued what her what she was doing. So we've got a sort of partnership and I'm still working with her now. She's she's trying to, she's trying to expand her sort of, her project to an academy and we're trying to make a sort of branch of that in Pokhara, which is where Right for Children is based, to um, yeah, support the Right to Run programme and expand that more um, going forward into 2023. So... Absolutely. Yeah. So, what does kind of, what does Mira kind of what what's her role in 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 the kind of Right for Run program? So, is she like so a, she's, just an ambassador? No, or? she she's not really part of the Right to Run program. Well, at the moment, but she's 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 more sort of supporting the way that her Mira Rai initiative is sort of along is 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 a similar thing in Kathmandu, and we're trying to sort of branch it into Pokhara. So, we're hoping it's not confirmed, but she's trying to she's trying to find a trail runner that can that wants to be a full-time employer for right for children who can um who can be basically what be what i was doing be a sports a continuing sports coach Mm. um and continue the right to run program in the right for children schools um so we're yeah we're we're just sort of working together she's not she's she's separate to right for children but um we're we're, yeah we inspire each other kind of thing Um, yeah she's a great person Right, so and um, it's well as you said, she obviously speaks Nepalese. Um, mm. So uh, I guess there was was there kind of that. What was that kind of language barrier like? Did you oh, kind of have yeah. to learn pretty quick or yeah. learn the basics or <laughs> Google Translate? How did that How did that really work <laughs> yeah. out for you? 
Um, I don't speak. Yeah, and Nepali was really hard. Um, Ali Ali Nepali Bolshnu is I speak very little Nepali, and that's that's basically that was my catchphrase. Anything I would just say that. Um, yeah, it's really hard, and I actually because I, I I I when I was sort of six between from when I was six to when I was ten, I lived in France, and I picked up I had to pick up French and. Um, from from scratch, so I was like, okay, maybe this this I can do it if I you know from scratch I can learn a bit of Nepali, but it was really hard and I and I couldn't do it. I think being dyslexic as well, it's literally it's like a maze. Um, and when Ivor came out because he's he he's quite a linguist with Greek and Latin and everything. And he wow. even said there's no sort of there's no re- repetition in this no language. Correlation. So there, there's <laughs> no luck. I mean, no. there's no like yeah, there's no chance. Anyway, um, yeah, so it was really hard. And Rabin was. My saving grace at the beginning to sort of um like talk to the students and bring the sort of groups on board and explain like explaining stuck in the mud was really really challenging, <laughs> Quite a challenge, no one could yeah, understand right. why you had to run under people's legs to free them. It was just yeah we we just we, we went we started playing it that was just the more basic <laughs> yeah one version. step at a time, yeah absolutely, um, but in the end, it was Facebook, which was my saving grace because that was the only way I could communicate with the teachers um because to no one seems to have email. Um, so it was Facebook that I would say, you know, oh, can we meet? Can I come this day? I'm going to be coming this time, this day at this time and sort of arranging the schedule. Um, and with Facebook, you can just do like thumbs up, thumbs down or happy face, sad face. <laughs> so that was the, that was the, how we went. And yeah, it was, yeah, the language was, was frustrating, but um, yeah, it was a good challenge, I guess. Yeah, totally. I can imagine that's quite, that's a difficult kind of, you know, <laughs> something to get used to, I suppose. Um, but what was kind of like, you know, your accommodation, your scene, so where you were based in mm. Nepal, what was that kind of like? So yeah, so I, I was that. there four months. So I spent two months in a hostel. And then, um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anyone to spend two solid months in one hostel. Wow. I sort of, I ended up, I sort of, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was nice at the beginning. You met, I met so many people, but quite quickly you sort of got a bit, delusion by people coming in and out so quickly and you being I was permanent having I was you know working during the day like exhausted in the evening and everyone else is sort of like coming in and out and it's so transient you sort of you lose sort of you lose your sort of sense of base so um after two months I moved into a guest house with some other girls that I'd met who were doing a medical internship at a local hospital from the Netherlands so it was nice to um have them who were similar ages to me and um yeah it was re- it was really we had a nice little community at the end um but yeah it was it was nice to sort of do do yeah do two different live in two different places and then actually during the week sometimes I think well, I think once or twice a week I would every once a, once or twice a week every two weeks I would stay at um one of the teachers house one of the school I was living in were working in um, because it was so far away from Fokker and because it just made sense if I was doing an early morning training session at one of the schools to just stay over. So I would stay with the teacher's house um, and she was called Sapana and she was really lovely and it was really cool to see her family and how that worked and um, understand, yeah, how um, how she how she would live as a, live in a really remote place. And, it, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was really lovely and they treated me so well, so that was a really nice experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in terms of like infrastructure and kind of like the basics, um, what what did you well, what did your accommodation have access to? Uh, could you like kind of did you have all the kind of, you know, typical functions and utilities that are kind mm. of say a boarding house would have in that? Uh, like yeah, bed, yeah, definitely. A shower not. I or something mean, like that. 
Yeah, definitely not. I mean, in in a hostel, the hostel was quite nice, but I was in a, I was in a, I was in a dorm room for the beginning, which you're kind of used to with boarding school, um, and then. But I mean, I mean, I guess I think it, and I wasn't too clued up on this before I went to Nepal, but Pokhara because it's such a touristy hotspot, especially Lakeside. You know, you've got a KFC in Lakeside. It's ridiculous. Wow. I mean, but I mean, I didn't get obviously I didn't go there, <laughs> but I mean, and but then like hundred meters sort of into the city and it's completely different it's such a um a contrast um but i mean it's in terms of development i mean like in terms of like infrastructure yeah it's you know most everyone's got a toilet but it might not it's not a running toilet it's like a whole it's like a squat toilet which actually i'm kind of converted to they're pretty good squat toilets um and even though they're just so different to what we have over here um and then but then like fridges like everyone but no one there isn't really concept of like fridges and um it's just everyone makes stuff from fresh and mm. and that's what's really that's why i really enjoyed like having to learn and my curry skills have really improved since like making fresh curries all the different spices and um yeah so it's it's very in the moment sort of thing oh i mean I'm sorry this, this is probably a little bit grim but the scott toilet i mean that's that sounds really interesting what's what's kind of what's that like how's that uh, compared to a normal yeah Kind of, I mean, it's basically just a toilet. hole in the ground. Is it? Oh, right, so um, it's really kind of back it's, to basics. It's a squat toilet, yeah, very which is actually, it's worth saying, really good for you. Like, it's much better, much more healthy <laughs> for your toilet habits to have a squat toilet than to have a sit-down toilet. Apparently, this is what someone sold it to me that way, but I don't know if that's true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the one thing I couldn't, I couldn't um, sort of embrace was the lack of toilet paper. And that's what I mean in the in the western in the like um sort of foreign um touristy bit in lakeside most places had toilet paper, but I'd end up just having like a stash of tissues in my rucksack wherever I went because you just never know if you might not get toilet paper basically or you never know how long it'll be until you do get toilet paper so you've any gotta, circumstance yeah you've right. gotta stack up <laughs> um yeah, I couldn't embrace that i didn't I did really enjoy eating my hands um with my right hand because your left hand is obviously the other hand. Um, to, <laughs> so you're like um, not allowed to no uh, your left hand is like well is what it used to like to go to the loo oh, with. Right, okay, so okay. your right hand is your eating hand which luckily I'm right handed so that's fine um, but yeah I really enjoyed eating in my hand because actually like it makes so much sense like if you think about it cutlery just gets in the way of just, just like putting food in your mouth to be honest <laughs> I mean it's, it sounds so weird but until you do it you really yeah, they're very know. practical hands, I suppose. They're, yeah. they're one of the best tools. They are, in fact, yeah. maybe the best tools, to yeah. be honest. So, um, um, no taking away from that. Yeah, I mean, but, like, seeing everyone, you think it's, like, you, see, you sort of think you're going to find it disgusting, like, seeing people eat with their hands, but actually, um, yeah, it sort of seems quite natural. does maybe natural. make more sense. Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> um, and yeah. Bryanson has a very kind of strong link with Nepal, as mm. you said, Fiona McLagan lives out there, um, who's an, another OB as well. And um, Aisha, who's still here, her sister. Who does, sorry? Aisha. Oh, Aisha, sister, cool. Yeah. Oh, really? So yeah. there's definitely quite a strong link with Bryson um, at the moment. And, and right children, was. yeah. Yeah, right, exactly, right children as well. So um, we, I think traditionally, um, you'll be able to tell me a little bit more than uh, than I'll be able to tell you about this, but um, obviously traditionally we have kind of a group of students go out to Nepal, I think every, I want to say every two Octobers, yeah, um, alternating so. years. Um so, and I think they're out there for about two or so weeks, so for the dur- duration of half term. Um, so I think you had a slight involvement with that, maybe? Well, yeah, well, t- was, talk to me about your involvement I, with that. Yeah. yeah, well, I just, but I, um, it was kind of straight, like, it was such a lovely thing for them to, like, cross, for me to cross over with them when they were out there in October. 
Um, and it was actually really timely because I'd just been getting better from being ill. So I was slightly uh, like on a low, sort of on an upward curve, if that makes sense, when they arrived. So they helped me sort of get back on my feet. Um, and yeah, it was great. They sort of helped out of Right for Children's Store, sort of visited the, um, some of the projects they were doing. And Iva, who was, came on the trip, who was filming, helped doing like, amazing films for Right for Children and for Bryanston. So he followed the team for the week, just like vid- filming what different things they were doing. Um, and it, yeah, it was really cool to see them all and see them come back from their trek exhausted, but then see them party hard as well. And <laughs> also like really, they were so creative on the day that they did a exchange with Laxmi, one of the schools. Um, and they they sort of put on different like workshops of drama, art and sport. Um, and it was it was so I mean, it's such an opportunity for the kids there. And I know that they really enjoyed it. So, yeah, no, it was really cool. That's nice. And obviously, I think they had um, uh, a Nepal dinner pretty recently mm. as well in London. But again, was there? And I think that might have been kind of like something to do with bidding and charity or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it was great. They had a again. fundraising dinner. Yeah. Uh, like three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago now. Um, and it was, yeah, it was great to, to bring the sort of Brian's community together and, and raise um, some money for Right for Children, which is really valuable to what the charity's doing this year and the next few years. Um, and... Yeah, no, it's a really important relationship and I really hope that it continues and it will continue um, because it's such a, such a special charity. And I think, I guess it's hard because I, Bryanson does go there, obviously, in, in October, but I think until you, yeah, you have to see it to realise that actually it's such an important um, relationship to continue with because it's, yeah, it's, it's, doing, it's doing so much that, that it's so valuable in Nepal. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's on the kind of timeline of, you know, when you were there. So from August through to, I think, December, right? Um, so, I mean, quite a few quite a few months, quite a long time, pretty much all out there by yourself, right? So I find that, you know, uh, incredible and admiring. Um, so, uh, but again, talk to us a little bit about kind of, you know, so maybe, you know, November, December, kind of leading up to the kind of event that you had mm. scheduled. What was, what was that like? What yeah, was that so about? we, uh, the competition was in December. <laughs> And um, I'd, I'd sort of like identified this running track in Pokhara, which was an amazing facility. It's like one of the best tracks that I've been on because it's, you've got a view of the mountains. Um, and I was like, okay, this would be really cool if we could get all the schools that are, that are participating in the Right to Run program to have a team um, that can participate in a competition. So it was a bit of a logistical nightmare. Lots of like bartering and working out how much it was going to cost to rent the facility and working out how much if the funding would cover the transport costs, the food costs, the, the flight costs for sort of some of the people. And, and it, yeah, anyway, it worked out. And I don't know how, it, but it because I couldn't really, obviously, then we talked about the language barrier. So it was a logistical nightmare with a really, really logistical nightmare. Anyway, it worked. And um, I can only say that it was like beautifully chaotic because it was. Um, chaotic but also beautiful um, and yeah it was I mean I've done lo- I, I've done lots of races and participated in lots of races but I've never really realised how much sort of stuff you have to do in terms of like writing numbers and I was trying to like last thing the night before I was writing all these like numbers and and all the time uh, start list because I realised that no one would know what race they were in um, apart from like I there's only a single copy and I had to pr- I had to sort of make lots of copies of these start lists and the printer wasn't working so I just had to do it all by hand. Anyway, it ended up being 200 people wow. 
um participated so Huge i had event. to yeah totally. yeah so i had to the, the sort of weeks before it was quite um stressful and for, for and quite hard to select the students um that were going to participate because from each school i'd been working with sort of 30 students from each school so i had to sort of narrow that down to about 20 um and yeah it was really hard because some some kids were were so uh, sort of dedicated but they you know they weren't the best in they weren't the best so i mean how you know how do you choose it's really mm, hard really and tricky I'm like, determination really, yeah ability is the whole thing so. Uh, so anyway we we got Put you in a tough I spot think, right yeah so, yeah difficult but anyway, we we got we got the the teams, and I made some people team captain, who like some people who who weren't fast enough to raise, but I just knew like I'm gonna give you a team captain role. Um, anyway, yeah, and um, Mira Rai came, which was great. So she kind of helped um, do some starting, and it was great for the kids to like see her and had to do a little speech. Um, and some of the teachers did a race. Um, which was great, and actually one of the teachers, I think, pulled a muscle. Oh, no. <laughs> because he hadn't been training with the Right to Run group. He just rocked up and oh, done he just it. decided to, you know, kind you know, of go, I felt really go bad. on the deep end. Yeah, right. <laughs> it felt a bit bad, but, um, yeah, and it was just, it was such a lovely way to end the programme, um, and, I, and I, I was leaving a few days after, so it was literally right at the end, um, and it was such a sort of, it all ended so fast that I didn't really have time to uh, wind it down, if you know what I mean, and what sort of... But now from back in the UK, I'm trying to, um, I'm still working with Mira and Douglas to find someone else to continue. Um, but yeah, so that was the competition and it was really great. Wow. So, I, I mean, on kind of game day, what was that? Obviously you said it's beautifully chaotic, kind of a great yeah. kind of two uh, words stick together yeah. for I'm sure such an awesome event. So um, obviously it kind of had its logistical challenges, but on the on the day itself, I mean, what, were the, what, what was kind of the atmosphere? Was it mm. hugely like, you know, motivated, yeah, hugely competitive? Yeah, well, I didn't really know how it was going to go because, I mean, I'd obviously been like trying to, in the weeks before in our training sessions, I'd been sort of preparing um, students sort of like sort of sprint starts and relay baton passing and um, sort of trying to tell them that, okay, we're running because the schools I'd set up like a small little track that, would probably have been about 200 meters but trying to explain to them that they'd be, they'd be doing like twice this distance on the day and like um anyway so yeah it, we I, start, I started with the eight we started with the 800 meters i think the senior girls 800 meters started um and it was quite a grueling way to start uh but at sort of 10 o'clock in the morning but yeah it, it worked and people once once they they started going and they started realizing teachers started getting quite competitive and we put all the trophies and medals out on the table, sort of adjacent to the track, and everyone started eyeing it's kind them Kind of more up. inspiring, yeah. And then, and then, um, <laughs> halfway at like lunchtime, I suddenly, um, one of my colleagues said to me, "Emily, we, we've got to stop. We've got to have a team meeting. The teachers will want to, the head teachers will want to speak to you." And I was like, "Oh God, like what's what's wrong? Um, what, what, have I made a mistake? Like what's what's happening?" Anyway. <laughs> It turns out they suddenly got really, really competitive and they wanted, because I'd sort of put, I sort of evened it out putting each sort of, because I, I, I knew I'd been working with the students, I sort of put some fast people in some race and so, you know, I sort of evened it out so it was roughly all fair and everyone was going to have a chance. Well, that's what I hoped. And the teacher said, look, why can't this person be in this race, this race, this race, and this race? And I was like, that's not the point of, you know. And so they were trying to get the, all the good people in one, in the same, in all the races, if you know that makes sense. Um, anyway. Really, we, really we competitive. persuaded them out of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess that's, you know, it's, it's, it's more for fun, right? So and Well, yeah, anyway. And I think 
the the school the right school won in because it was a individual competition but also mm. we tried to we calculated the points of yeah it's like overall. A te- yeah like a school so, average and the yeah, school right. that won was also the biggest school so I felt a bit you know obviously they had more chance but um, yeah I mean they were so happy it was such a like they had this huge trophy and they were just like shouting and screaming and like we were so happy oh, that's lovely. Um, and I, I think they probably like was doing that all the way home back to their <laughs> village like with. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, deserved, I'm sure. Um, that's <laughs> incredible. So, and then kind of on the wind down, so on the kind of few days after the event leading up to your departure, kind of what were you what were you thinking? I mean, as you said, you didn't probably have that much time to process what had happened yeah. leading up to when you left. What were you thinking no, at the time? I was absolutely knackered. I mean, I literally left, uh, I had one more day after that and then I left Pokhara. So, and I'd done an all-nighter. The night before the competition, I was so like stressed organising it that I didn't get any sleep. So I was absolutely knackered after the competition. Um, and sort of relieved that it had actually, it, nothing had sort of, nothing had gone majorly wrong. I mean, it, it, things did go wrong on the day, but you sort of ignored them. Like, first thing in the morning, we, 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 we'd, we'd organised that we were going to rent this facility and we'd got permission from the sort of organiser, even though it's a public space, that we'd got permission and it, all, it was fine. That's what we thought. Anyway, we arrived in the morning of the competition and it was locked. The stadium was locked. There was no oh, key. No. no one knew where the key was. And, we, and people started arriving and we couldn't even get onto the track. Anyway, we, we sorted it out. But it was just things like that that just crop up and you've got to sort of go with the flow. Yeah, really, yeah. you kind of um, put on, you kind of tested, aren't you, really? Kind of think and, on your feet. Yeah, and my colleague was like, Emily, just chill, just chill. Is it going to be okay? And I was like, how can we chill when it's just... <laughs> when it's where I can't open. <laughs> when we can't open. Anyway, um, I think that's one of the biggest things I learned, really, and in reflection, sort of leaving and coming home is how... Um, especially coming from school in such a sort of goal-orientated place where you've got sort of places to be, sort of things to do, and you're so sort of structured. But in Nepal, you can't really be like that. And that, when you start trying to be like that, it sort of sort of turns against you. Backfire, you know, almost, yeah. Backfires, right. yeah, exactly. It just doesn't work. So, I guess it's not really the way of living, is it? So Yeah, and I think... Well, it, well it's interesting because it's, it's how our society here is sort of set up. Do you know yeah, I mean? orientated, right. But in Nepal, it's not. And I think it, it was really hard at the beginning because I kept... I was sort of thinking, oh, I'm not making any progress. You know, this, this isn't going forward. This cause it, Things happen so slowly. You know, like you have a conversation with someone ne- one week. The next week, you might be able to do this. The, the third week, that was a bit more likely. Like, it, it was very slow progression, but that's that's just how things work, and um, yeah, I think it's it's yeah, it's a, it's a good message to learn. To yeah, hugely. Be... That's yeah. Again, I guess it's all part of that kind of um, adaptation about going out to yeah. kind of like a you know a completely different environment like Nepal. You know, mm. so much to learn from that, which is really interesting. Um, and now that you're back in the UK, um, you know, here for 2023, really, um, what are your kind of plans for the Right for Children, Right for Run kind of program? Um, well for this year and and kind of moving forward really Mm, so yeah the aim is to get someone permanently um, employed by right right for children to sort of lead the right to run project in the sports and schools project because I think it's such a like sport um, having one person do art drama and music and everything and also sport it's so much so to have someone that you can just focus on sport um, and so we're we're trying to see where that can go and um, trying to find the right person basically and it's really hard from the UK and I think I'm going to have to go back um I'm sort of looking at sort of how long my uni holiday is going to be next year and if I can fit it in and um because I think I really miss it and um yeah I think if I got an opportunity to go back I would take it definitely so 
Gosh, any day of the week, I'm sure. Wow, that's amazing. And you haven't been back since you've been back, if that no, makes no, sense. No, no, no. So, of course, yeah. No, it's no, quite no. a long way away. I yeah, mean, it's not, not local. It's, I'm not going to take a, a flight that uh, sort of easily. But if it's for a long amount of time and it's for a worthy thing, that's I can justify it, yeah. And now that you're back in the UK, kind of outside of the whole Nepal scheme, or, well, maybe it's part of the Nepal scheme, I'm not sure. What kind of, what are you really involved with doing now? Are you, yeah. You, what, what, do you have like a, do you have a job or? Yeah, I'm working, know? so I'm working from home. Um, I'm doing, I'm working for two companies sort of online. So a completely different lifestyle and I'm finding it so hard because I'm basically That's sat at the desk transition, right. I mean, today I was so glad to be able to get away from my desk early. Um, but it's, yeah, I hate it, to be honest, um, <laughs> sat at a desk. I mean, it's good to, I'm learning different things. I'm learning skills about MailChimp and Excel and all these other like <laughs> online stuff, which, which is useful. All these tools and these functions. <laughs> yeah, and, um, but it's, yeah, it's different to to, to running around, um, running around in remote places. But, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to focus on my running now. So actually working with students in Nepal who don't have very much, but I really like give everything to just go training and mm. do, basic running sessions really inspire me to think god i've really got to make the most of what i have in the uk in terms of like facilities and support and i've got to fulfill my own running so um yeah so that's what i'm focusing on now until the summer is trying to trying to train which is hard it's on because i'm on my own before i go to uni but um yeah i'm trying to keep motivated to do it absolutely and obviously you were you know a hugely hugely keen runner here at school and you know i think obviously you've kind of taken that um uh, kind of to a charity level out in Nepal um what kind of to how much of a degree you kind of keep it with your running nowadays so you're training kind of yeah, most yeah. days you're still competing as much yeah, as you I'm were still competing right um and I'm yeah I'm still my aims in the, I'm trying to sort of peak for the summer um yeah no so I'm still training and it's it's it's, it's a weird sport running because it is very individual individualistic mm. um and you know it's not a team sport it's not absolutely it's not a well it can be a sociable sport but it and it's very um sort of self uh i don't know what's the word but it's kind of selfish you know it's for your own being your own self i don't know your own yeah it's for your for yourself basically so it's kind of a it's a it's a it's a weird sport to buy into and to get other people to buy into but seeing the power of it um in other places and seeing the sort of opportunities it can give some people and um yeah it's made me realize that actually it's 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 not too bad really and it's yeah yeah absolutely so in terms of kind of looking more specifically at you um what kind of upcoming do you have much upcoming events in terms of running you kind of training specifically for something yeah i mean uh, in the summer i'm trying to make get make um the gb qualifying time to to run in the europeans that's my goal and i can keep saying it because otherwise it's not gonna happen it's not gonna uh, oh no don't say Uh, that (laughs) (laughs) but um you can hold me accountable to it now but it's just yeah I'm, it's it's all about times with running and like yeah. and you've got to just refresh it every year if that makes sense so um yeah and and it's 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 been hard coming back i mean i've thought that having four months off and i was still running my own, i was still doing my own training like a basic a base level when i was in the pool but it's been so hard coming back which is really hard to say because i i hate i i'd love i'd love to be able to just pick it up and put it down but you just can't do that with sport i mean you know from rowing like in and you're a runner now i mean yeah, it, you can't it's it's the travesty of it because you've got to keep at it and it's it's you know I'd, I'd love to spend my whole year in the pool but i think I, I want to make the most of my of running 
so that I can go back to Nepal and carry on running. So yeah, it's all it's all a sort of step. It's all a stepping stone to do other things. But um, yeah, but I'm, I'm for now. I'm just going to really throw myself at it. And see yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad you 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 have kind of your own personal plan and uh, you know your own aspirations. You know, outside of um, the kind of all the Nepalese work that you've been doing as well. So hugely, hugely inspiring and just before i get into my final question you said you've kind of got uni holidays and all that kind of thing so i assume you're going to uni which yeah, is pretty cool yeah. so i'm going to edinburgh in edinburgh September. oh cool yeah. to study uh well i can't tell everyone's doing geography but actually i'm the course i'm doing is interdisciplinary futures which wow, i don't really <laughs> even know what and it's a brand new course that's just um it's literally i'm the first cohort this year i'm one of 40 that are doing it um so I don't really know what I'm going to be studying I'll tell you this time next year if, if I like it or not but um yeah it'll be something different and I'm really I'm really excited to go back to uni a sort of institution uni environment because I I, I do kind of miss um this, this sort of institution environment of the school and you miss yeah you miss having I don't know games and mm, all course. the people that, on that tap schedule and, yeah right totally. and everyone around, yeah it's a big community and you it's yeah so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that um, but I would I would recommend to anyone thinking about it to take a year out as well because I think it it makes you value it so much more and yeah I mean your eyes your eyes are o- open I guess it's such a you just sort of yeah your opportunity your perspectives are expanded basically of course no and, and on the kind of theme of recommendations and advice actually I think um we'll wrap it up in a second but my final question for you Emily what is the kind of being in you kind of you've had the Bryanston experience and I guess it's still pretty fresh in your mind, pretty, you know, leaving and only graduating pretty recently um, last July. What would you what would your advice be for kind of Bryanston students kind of maybe in D or C kind of coming up through through school? What would your main advice be while you're at Bryanston? What to do? I think while you're at Bryanston and I think everyone says it and if you said it to me and they didn't you always you sort of find it really annoying when people say it but you just got to get like throw yourself into everything and I think um yeah I think when you leave you you realize god I mean it's such a it's such an amazing place and you you yeah I mean even like obviously Bri Radio is so but it is so cool like I'm trying to do a podcast separately now without all this sitting it's just so hard you can't do it so it's make the most of being here because it's so far I mean five years is so short um and yeah you yeah make the most of it because you'll even if you do make the most of it you'll kick yourself for not making most of it more when you leave it's yeah oh but gosh thank you emily thank you so so much for your time it's great to have you back kind of to have a brian legend oh, no. in the room uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, here in the you. studio no not at all thank you we'll be back everyone on the 10th of march i believe in a week's time next friday at 4 30 and um, for a similar style interview here at the ob podcast and again huge thank you to emily for coming in oh, thank um, you and yeah so great to hear your story <laughs> um thank you everyone for listening and again we'll be back next week thanks very much cheers emily